Man, it's great to have you here. We are in a series called Gospel Deep, His Glory Experienced. His glory experienced as we're walking through Romans chapter 8, and there's just a ton of what the Holy Spirit does for us, who He is in our lives, what it means to be His. And uh, that's where we're walking through the morning. I gotta, I, this morning, I gotta tell you, um, this passage quickly became one of my favorites as I was studying this past couple weeks and getting prepped for this. And this material, this five verses this morning is life changing. If you really grasp what it's saying, okay, it alters everything in how you approach your God. So you want to go after him. You want to hear this this morning. Let's turn to it as we learn about life in the spirit. We've got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands and uh, they're going to be passing those down the road. So just raise your hand if you need a Bible and they'll get one to you. All right. Just raise your hand and they'll get a Bible to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. So you don't want to miss out. Romans chapter 8, man, it is all about being in the family of God and the Holy Spirit taking part in our lives and uh, what we actually have in Him. And uh, what do we have in the Spirit? First step, first point. Believers in Jesus Christ are empowered by the Spirit. Believers in Jesus Christ are empowered by the Spirit. We'll start in verse 12. It says, so then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live All right, he starts out. So then uh, Pretty much like a therefore. Okay, that's what this word is. It's a connecting word It looks backwards into the prior passage. It says what we've just heard is so important That this is now also going to be considered and walked through and this is true, too and So then, what was he tying it to? Well, if you look in verse 11, right before, um, he's actually talking about our salvation. And he talks about the whole Godhead taking part in it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit involved in you trusting in Christ. The whole Godhead. And I mean, listen to this. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ... From the dead dwells in you. He who raised, that's the Father, Christ from the dead will also give to you, to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. He's pouring onto us through the Holy Spirit, through God the Father, through God the Son. We have much in Him. So then, brothers, we are debtors. We owe. Like that's a lot to be given out and and we have so much in him. Praise be to God. And and we love what God's done in us. And so we're debtors. And notice he says, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Uh, Everybody say, duh. Right? We should get that. And yet somehow we wake up in the morning and we're like, ah, it's going to be a great day to live for me. Don't we do that? All of a sudden we're wandering into our own little world of what I think would be wonderful for me and what would feel wonderful for me. And man, that's what he's talking about. That is living according to the flesh. It's Lord, help me make much of it for myself. It says we are debtors. We owe something we can't pay back. That's the huge thing. We had something that we owed. We couldn't pay it. He paid it for us. We owe something now that we could not pay back. We are debtors of God's love. It says not to the flesh to live according to the flesh 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, we talked about this last week. What does it mean to live according to the flesh? And, and what does it mean to set your mind on the flesh? And, and so let's just re- refresh real quickly, setting your mind on. It's like, man, the highest speaking authority in your life is, that's what it means to live according to, okay? The highest speaking authority in your life is, well, if you're living according to the flesh, it's the flesh. And it's like, come on, man, that's not who we are anymore. Let's not even remotely make it look like that's true. Verse 12 is a challenge to say there are times where we will be in him, one of his children, trusting him, following him. And there will be those moments where you will be drawn towards self. Please remember who you are. That's what he's saying. That's verse 12. So then we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. This is a statement of what it means when you and I don't have Jesus Christ and we're just living for the highest speaking authority in my life being me. And if that's what life is defined as for you, there is an end point for that. And that end point has the word D-I-E in it. Uh, it's a very simple truth. It's a very powerful truth. And it's one we tend to want to resist. It doesn't mean the physical death. We all have that coming unless the rapture comes. Praise be to God. We all have death coming. But this is talking about spiritual death, separation from God for eternity. I'm telling you, if you choose to live on your own, forget about God. I'm going to do my thing. It's not good. That ends with die. Spiritually separated from him for eternity. Why in the world would we want to even remotely model that in our lives when it's no longer true? Praise God, we're debtors to the one who has paid the price and that's no longer true in me. I'm not about to forget what I've been brought out of and what I've been brought into. I'm going to live for him. That's the challenge here. And so he, he turns the corner. He says, for if uh, you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the spirit, everybody say by the spirit. See, we always seem to forget that. And we just skip right over. Put to death the deeds of the flesh, right? And, and all of a sudden we change it to, and so if you just go put to death the deeds of the flesh. Yeah, that is not what that passage says. It says, if you, by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, there is one player in your life who's going to be able to get it done. And that's not you. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. Okay? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. If we go after this where we say, okay, here's the deal. I've got a lot of stuff that needs to be worked on. I've got a lot of sin that needs to be addressed. I've got things in me that have to go. And God, I'm aware of it. Thank you for speaking the clarity into me. I'm yours. What do you want done? I'm ready to be with you. We talked about it this way last week. Three steps if you want to go after it. Three steps to putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Three steps to living by the Spirit. Three steps to seeing transformation in you. Are you ready? First one, encounter. 
You need to encounter your living God. That's time in the word. That's watching for him at work in your life around you. Man, how many times have you heard somebody say, like, I'm just stuck in sin. And they're they're like, read the Bible. And you're like, how does that work? Well, I'm telling you, it doesn't work very well if you're there for the wrong reasons. Right? If your whole purpose there is to be like, I'm going to name every king named in first Kings. I'm happy for you. But life transformation probably not coming out of that moment. All right. How about this one? I'm going to encounter the God who has created me, who sustains me, who has saved me. Lord, I'm ready to encounter you and I'm coming to your word. Show me who you are, Lord. Show me your character. Show me your passions. Show me your dislikes. And Lord, I want to know you with all I've got. Encounter him. Time in the word. Man, I'm telling you, your devotional life, your time alone in the word will be life changing. If every time you come, you open it up and before you start, you say, God, I'm ready to be blown away by you. Help me see you even if it's in one verse. You. I'm ready to see you. Encounter your living God. Second step, exalt. Exalt. Man, if you want to go through life transformation, a couple of steps to go through. Encounter, exalt. What does exalt mean? It means to worship him. It means to celebrate him. We've talked about how to do that, right? With the spiritual breathing, right? The breathing in, thanking him, praising him for who he is. This deep breath. As you're just stunned with who he is. Maybe you're even not so stunned. Because right now you're really wrestling with your own stuff and your own sin. And man, I'm telling you, still taking some time to go, God, this is something that's pretty awesome. Whether I'm right now blown away by it or not. And thank you for being this as you breathe in and then confessing out, God, I'm so not in alignment with you in that area. Please forgive me for. And uh, you're beginning to exalt him. You've encountered him through the word. You're exalting him in your time of worship. Just take a time to be still. Take a time to behold, right? It means to look at, to ponder on, to spend time with him. Your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Encountering, exalting. I'm telling you this, that's where the change is. Hear me? The change is in the exalting. I don't know how many places we've been taught that the change is in the next step where we start putting our leg to it. And there's some cooperation that goes on there. And I'm not saying that there isn't any benefit in it. We'll get to that word in just a second. But I'm telling you, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Life-altering change. We are changed from one degree of glory to the next by the Spirit's glory. By the Spirit's glory. Man, if you read and jump to do, you are missing him. Are you hearing me? Life change, empowered by the spirit. It's encountering him. It's exalting him. And then third, it's engaging. I'm going to cooperate, Lord. I'm going to step in on this, but with your power pouring over me, I'm ready to do this thing for you. Okay. Encounter, exalt and engage. Three steps. Hey, just so you notice, it says it to the negative here. Put to death the deeds of the body. What's it sound like if you put it to the positive? Um, so here's a quote. 
Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in the drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy or the negative, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, encountering and exalting. That's what it looks like to rally with him. It says, and you will live Uh, life with him, the spirit changing you. Uh, eternal life and life in the present. What an awesome privilege we have as the only one who can make the impact the Holy Spirit is taking over in your life. Make sure you give it to him. And uh, you heard Pastor Shane reference uh, March Madness. I've been watching a little bit of March Madness this weekend. This could be the most I've ever watched in my life. I think I had it on like 11 hours on on uh, Friday where I was watching reruns and replays of games that have already occurred and I'm flipping back and forth to games that are already on. And, and you know what's fun about watching these is it's one and done and, and, and it could be a total upset. Most of these teams, they're college teams, they're not pro teams. So there's usually like one really good guy and then a bunch of players who are trying to make it happen with them and they're trying to get the ball to that dude, right? And, and sometimes they put it together. Massive upset. Right. And I don't even care that my brackets broke. And I'm like, upset, baby. Right. Love watching it. Love going through it and uh, made my family do the brackets. They're never sitting with me to watch a game. Every once in a while they walk through and they're like, where are we at? And then they leave. And uh, here's what I love, though. Most of the teams are centered around one or two very skilled players. And if they come up and they produce, oftentimes you see huge results. And um, I'm just telling you, your life There is one player that makes the impact, and it's not you. Holy Spirit, him having his way in your life will rock your world. Figure out how to get the ball to him. Do you know what I'm saying? Time to stop ball hogging it and trying to make it happen on your own. God, I'm ready for you to have your way with me. So a uh, simple question, how are you doing with the encountering, exalting, and then engaging? How are you doing at bringing the Holy Spirit in through encounter and exalt? What needs to change even this week? Like, that's it, I'm done. Time for you to get first and foremost. Encountering and exalting. Is the Spirit in charge in your life? Are you letting Him have the say? Are you letting him have his way? Life in the spirit. Make sure you're worshiping and letting him and his glory change you. All right. Number two, believers in Jesus Christ are led by the spirit. Believers in Jesus Christ are led by the spirit. He says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For all, uh, how many? Yeah, not just some, not most. Not mostly all, but, but all, right? All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So all who are led by the Spirit of God, they have a privilege as well to be called sons of God. Led. What does that word even mean? So I looked it up. I was trying to figure out a definition. I've kind of come to this conclusion this week. Here you go. You ready? Led. Good definition for it. It's when you shape perception. You're helping them to understand better, right? It's when you shape perception. It's when you infuse motivation 
You're stirring them. So shape perception, infuse motivation. It's when you alter direction. Another way to say it, inform the head, stir the heart, challenge the will. Man, we better see head engaged. We better see heart engaged. We, we better see directional move going on. Shape perception, infusing motivation, altering direction. That's leadership. The Holy Spirit leading those who are trusting Christ. Did you know that? If you are a son of God, this is an equation that goes both directions, right? All who are led by the Spirit of God equal sons of God. All who are sons of God equal being led by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, Spirit leading you. He is seeking to inform. He is seeking to stir and infuse motivation. He is seeking to alter direction and get you on the right path, leading you. Okay. Notice it says they are led by the Spirit in the present tense. Not were led. This isn't just talking about being saved. That is true, but it's more than that. It's not just the Holy Spirit brings you to salvation's door. Yes, it's, but he's also walking you through this world, navigating the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of yourself. He's walking you into eternity, one degree of glory at a time. He is leading. And uh, how does the Holy Spirit lead? All right. I just thought I'd write this down. There are so many definitions in this short little passage. And so here we go. And if the Holy Spirit is leading me, I better know how to listen. Right? And uh, so you might want to write these down. The Holy Spirit leads in three different ways. Number one, in a directed manner. Directed. This is where he's sharing his moral will. Like you need to understand what he values as good and what he states is bad and directed right if this comes straight out of the word okay it's straight from the bible and and so directed it equals from the bible it equals from friends who know the bible okay and they're sharing with you what the word says so directed that's the first way the holy spirit leads from the bible and from friends who know the bible i'm telling you this when you're trying to make a decision You better make sure you know what the word says about that topic. You better make sure you understand what the word says about you in that topic. And you better make sure you've got a couple of friends who know the word and they're sitting down with you and sharing their insight as well. Okay. That's a number one way the Holy Spirit directs is through the word and through friends who know the word. Make sure you camp out and spend time there. Any big decision you're making, fill in the blanks on that. What's the scripture say? What do my friends who know the scripture say? Notice not just what do my friends say. Some of them you don't want to know what they say. Right? What do my friends who know what scripture says? What do they say? And what is their challenge in this? And All right? That's the directed step. Second, uh, the discerning step. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads it up, leaves it up to us to discern what's going on, to try to figure it out a little bit, to see him moving and shaping around us. This is, um, sometimes you'll sense this inner moving of the Holy Spirit kind of communicating with you and guiding you. You have this sense, you're like, I I just sense like the Spirit's telling me this. I sense that God's directing me to head this way. And uh, just do me a favor. Some of you love to put the phrase on that one, God told me. 
Please don't say that. Please hang on. There's a better place to put that. And we'll talk about it in just a second. The, I have this little stirring within me. I mean, we've said it before, man. It could be some really bad pizza or bad Chinese food from the night before. It may not be God telling you anything. God's like, I never said that. Right? And we're like, oh no, I remember it. I had this moment. And I called it you. And so that's the way it is now. And if we miss it and we think it's God, but it's not, fall back to point number one and make sure you check the word and what your friends say from the word. All right? And uh, be careful with it. But uh, the Holy Spirit does guide. He does speak within. Uh, Here's another way of discerning. All right? Open doors and closed doors. Open doors and closed doors. I feel like God's calling me to have a ministry in this area by building a $5 million house and having people over all the time. Do you have that money? No, I don't. And uh, are you sure God's leading you in that way? I'm pretty sure. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's not, man. And uh, provision is a big part of it. And when the door's closed, the door's closed. You know what I'm saying? And love closed doors. Love it. God is leading very clearly. Long for closed doors. It's an awesome moment. Are you going that way? No, I'm not. Why not? It's not open, man. God has moved. It's clearly not there. It's somewhere else. Look for God leading through open and closed doors. Okay? All right. Holy Spirit guiding open doors. Here's another one. Personal desires and gifts. I love doing this. It just stirs my soul. It's like God's made me to do it. When I'm a part of this kind of ministry, my life flourishes. I love being in this area with and personal desire or gifts. It's a great way to discern where God's leading and and common sense. Please engage your brain. Okay. Make sure you're thinking through it. Make sure that you're thinking of all those involved in the decision and just be common sense wise to it. All right. Discerning. God's designed a brain in you and he loves for it to work. Okay? Make sense out of things. All right. So directed, discerned, and then the third way you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit is declared. This is when you get to say, God told me. Okay? This is when you hear his voice speak. And the earth rumbles when he speaks. And there are a few who can claim they've heard this, right? And, and, and so there was a talk that Adam had with God. There was um, Moses talking with God. There was Abraham talking with God. And, and there is clarity in scripture of people talking with God. Man, if you have heard the earth rumble and God spoke to you, I want to talk to you afterwards. Please come talk to me, okay? I'm not saying this never happens. I'm not saying it won't happen. But I am telling you, it rarely happens. Save the phrase, God told me, for that moment, okay? That way, when you say to me, God told me, I'm going to be like, dude, get over here. I got to hear this. Tell me the story, okay? Um, God told me, meaning I have this inside thing stirring. Please, let's use a different phrase. I love a phrase like, I'm just sensing God moving in this way. You hearing the difference? You see, I'm trying to trump it up a little bit when I say God told me, when the reality is it's an inside gut feel. So be wise to that, all right? The Holy Spirit does lead. He leads by directing. He leads by helping us in discerning. He leads by declaring. These are very clear ways of leading. Every time you go through any big decision, make sure you're walking through all of these steps and filling in all of the blanks, all right? And making sure you know what God's doing there. 
the Holy Spirit does lead, and I love this. Anybody who is led by the Spirit of God, they're called sons of God. We're going to get into this more in the next point, sons of God. But it says this, sons, not children. Big difference, okay? Sons, not children. What's the difference? Well, the difference is one is using a phrase meaning the little ones. The the kids, right? That's children. The other one means grown one uh, with full rights and privileges. That's who we are. And one of our full rights and privileges is Holy Spirit moving in me, leading me, leading me to the word, making clear the word, bringing friends to me. God Almighty sharing his privilege of knowing him. Sons, man, we aren't just little kids in the kingdom. You have rights and privileges as you sit underneath the God of the universe. He calls you prince. He calls you princess. And he is loving you and working with you. And this is the part that begins to blow me away. Man, you are called family. Are you hearing that? You are called family. Just hang on. We're going to hear more of that in the next point. So uh, what does it mean to be family? What does it mean to be led? Um, I just thought I'd use this example. Uh, my daughter, Megan, is getting ready for college. And uh, man, did that time fly by. And uh, so she's now in her senior year of high school and getting ready to go to college. And we've been talking about college for the last four years, really. Like as a freshman, I remember looking over at her and I said, so what college do you think you're going to go to? She's like, are you serious? I haven't even think about it. I, I'm lucky I'm thinking about high school. I'm not thinking about college at all. I'm like, but seriously, have you thought about it? Just any area, like central U.S. Uh, on a coast? Or have you thought? I don't know. I don't know at all. I'm like, okay. And then she moved away. And But what was the point in doing that? It was just to help her to begin to think, college is out there. And let's work together on that over time. And I'm okay that you don't have any answers. But I'm not okay that you don't think about it at all for the next four years. And so let's talk about it. And, and over time, and she began to get the sense, man, by the time we were talking to sophomore and junior, if somebody were to say, are you going to college? She's like, oh yeah, where? I just have no idea. I'm figuring that out. But we kind of eased along the way, right? There was a point where we sat down. I talked to her about it on Friday. And do you remember when we talked about you going to college and what do you remember? So I got a little insight from her of what mattered to her. She said, I remember when you sat down and said, what do you prioritize as number one? I don't remember this topic at all, but she remembered. You know what she said was her number one? The pictures. If the place looked pretty. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, baby, that's great. I'm good with pretty campuses. Maybe there's something a little more important. What do you think? And let's talk about, and what do you think about the academics? And what do you think about the doctrine of the school? If it's a Christian school and, and where should we place those? And, and so pictures made the list. They were just down a little bit, you know? And so we got some structure in place and then we started talking, well, what places match up with that? And, and she ended up kind of locking into a few and we got a list of four or five and she visited one and, and it was a really pretty campus. It was gorgeous, but it was not at all the academics or the education. And, and she visited another and it wasn't pretty at all, but she, she did appreciate the academics. And, and so she was trying to figure out where she was going and, and uh, she ended up landing with one that she really started falling in love with. Do you see the process we're walking along here where I'm asking questions and I'm letting her work a little bit and I'm pressing in a few. And when I don't like the answer, I'm, I'm not just like pictures, 
You don't, you don't go nuts. You just have a little talk and you kind of ease it along and you're shaping her in and, right? And she's now settled on Taylor University and she went out and visited and loved the school and she's loving the doctrine and loving the academics for where she's headed, which is going to be a graphic arts degree at this point. She loves art and she wants to be able to use it within the church domain. And, and, uh, man, I'm telling you, just things are falling in line. One of the last questions, what's it cost? Cost and, and what's what are scholarships like? And and so we worked a lot on that. And she's worked hard on scholarships and, and ACT scores. And it's just been neat as we've worked together as a family. And we've gotten to a point now where this thing's doable and it's a go. And she's going to Taylor in the fall. That's what it looks like to lead along the way. And and hey, dads, little parenting moment. Make sure gospel deep style, you're like God into your family as you work with your kids making decisions. It's not mandate and command and take and get what you want. It's make sure you work with them to help them move along, to get them where God wants them to be, and you're leading along the way, right? Uh, just a sweet opportunity for us. And I look now at a, it was a team decision. We're all good with it. We've all worked along it. And, and Megan's good, and John is good, and I'm good, and, and this thing's going well, and leading along the way. And that's what your Holy Spirit's doing with you every day. Every day he's working with you on the little things of life and the big things of life. And what do you think of that value? And how's that working out? And maybe we need to reorder the value. And what about? And let's press in here now. That needs to be worked on a little bit. And right? Your Holy Spirit with you. You are his son, his daughter. You are family. And he's pouring into you and loving on you like you would not believe. Simple question. You letting him lead? Are you letting the Holy Spirit lead in your life? Take over and guide? Direct? Are you hearing from him and his word? Make sure this becomes a walk where the God of the universe has a say in your life. You're going to be amazed at what's taking place. All right? So he empowers, he leads. Number three, believers in Jesus Christ are adopted by the Spirit. Believers in Jesus Christ are adopted by the Spirit. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Notice the little s. For you did not receive the little s spirit of slavery. Right in your word there, right? It's not the Holy Spirit. It was like, I'm not even putting the capital S next to that. That's the wrong God. If you think he's a God of slavery, you've got the wrong God, all right? We have freedom in him. And man, we are released from the destruction of self and we are able to run after him. Praise be to God. And he's like, hey, it's not a slavery that drives us to fear. That's the key. A slavery that puts us on our knees trembling for what might be and a fear in the midst. That's not the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, that's not him. That's not him. And he's not a God of fear at all. And instead it says, um, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You have received the spirit, the adoption of sons. Okay, just so you understand in the original language, that's one word. And it says, you have received the spirit who is a sun maker. That's what it says. You have received the spirit 
who is taking you from not a part of the family and making you part of the family. That's who our God is. He's bringing us into the home where we did not belong and we were not a part. We did not earn it. We do not belong there. And he comes in and wraps his arms around, scoops us in and makes us sons and daughters. Family, the word adoption, there could not be a better word for it. It's seeing that child who has no family left alone in need And as a loving parent coming in and saying, we're going to take this one into our home and call them child and son and daughter. We're going to raise them as ours. We're going to give them all the benefits as ours. This one is family. That's God working in your life. If you trust in Jesus Christ. The spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We have the privilege of crying, Abba, Father. What does that even mean? You heard it in the song at the offertory there. Abba, it's the Aramaic word for daddy. It's what every little Jewish kid running around would have said. When they fall down and skin their knees or when they're looking for someone in a crowd and they feel like they're lost or, or when they're happy that someone just came home at the end of a hard work day and he enters the door, it's Abba, Abba! And he's saying, you have the privilege of crying out, Daddy, to the God of the universe. Are you getting that? Like we were in rebellion. And we now get to cry out, Daddy. Father, it says right after it. Like, this is a little more grown-up term, walking around, recognizing his responsibilities and his authorities and his privileges, and he's mine, and he's leading and shepherding me, Father and Daddy, and, and we belong to his home. And, and how much does God own? What does God own? Everything. And, and so, don't forget that. That's going to come up in just a second. Your daddy owns everything. Let that settle for a moment. It's amazing what privilege we have with our God. Isn't it sad how often we try to flip it around and turn it to where we can own everything? Isn't that like the story of the prodigal son? May we not be in that position. May we recognize it's all God's and we're just happy to be a part of his family. Praise him. And um, adoption. What's it look like? What's it mean? Um, I called uh, Aaron Wuthrich this week. They've adopted in the past several years and said, uh, hey, can you help me out? My wife and I were talking to her a little bit. And um, do you have a story of an adult who's been adopted? And she looked around and she got a couple stories to me. I ended up picking this one out. Sweet story. This is an Asian woman, 30 years old, reflecting back on when she was adopted as a little child. She says, my adoptive mom did not hold me the moment I was born. But it was her arms that were waiting for me when I arrived at the airport so many years ago. The little orphan girl who was placed in her arms suddenly had a family who loved her and wanted her. Her future that was once very bleak was now full of new and exciting possibilities. My adoptive parents' embrace is where my life truly began. And is that a metaphor or what? 
I don't even know if she's writing from that perspective. She certainly wasn't trying to bring in Christ at the moment. This is simply, I'm telling you, the moment my adoptive parents' arms touched me, life began. How true that is for us with our father. During a conversation with my sister less than a year ago, I learned that when I first arrived, my mom literally slept on the floor in the hallway with me because I was too afraid to sleep in my room. When I was sick or hurt, it was my mom who wiped away my tears and nursed me back to health. It was my mom who tucked me in in bed every night and woke me up every morning. It was my mom and my dad who hung my artwork from school on the fridge and filled my scrapbook with mementos from important events in my life. Did you know that's God with you? As he's literally like, that's my boy. Do you see this? Look what's happening as I'm working with him and as he's coming. That's my girl. Look at what's taking place in them. And growing up, whenever I scanned the crowd during games, concerts, plays, and ceremonies, I wasn't looking for another Asian face in the crowd. I was looking for the faces of my parents. My mom's blue eyes and blonde hair. My dad's blue eyes and dark hair. It never mattered to me. That we didn't look alike. It mattered to me that they were mom and dad. My parents and I have spent decades laughing together, crying with each other, fighting with each other, and creating countless wonderful memories together. My mom and I rarely go a day without talking with each other. My adoptive mom and dad, they're my real parents. She is the one, my mom, who has shared my heart for over 28 years. I feel blessed beyond measure to be their daughter. Adopted. We are brought into the family of our God. Not because we've earned it, but because he reached down and picked up and embraced us. And that's when life began. Hope in him. Life in him. And the Holy Spirit... We're told right here, he's the one doing the adopting. Are you getting that? Wow. The spirit, he empowers, he leads, and he adopts. Simple question. Are you celebrating the family you have? Are you letting God be the father that you would never have otherwise? The heavenly father, life-changing world altering in you man run to him and cry out abba father family with your god all right and last believers in jesus christ are insured by the holy spirit insured by the holy spirit notice it says The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Are you hearing that? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Meaning, remember that drawing where we put up the mind and then underneath it, the flesh off to one side, spirit to another. Holy Spirit taking up residence within our spirit, speaking with us, communicating to us. He's like, you are so ours. You are so Mine, God Almighty whispering into your ear how much he loves you, how much he longs for you, how much he celebrates 
the work being done in you, making much of you. Now, here's where we get it wrong. Then we instantly go, I must be awesome. Please, your God is awesome. Amen. May we worship him and celebrate him. May it be all about him and his work in our lives. May we constantly lift him up. He says the Holy Spirit basically whispering to us, communicating with us, bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, here we go. Here comes a process. It says, and if children, then heirs. What does that word mean? It means what's his becomes yours. Do you get that? If you're in his family, then what he owns ends up becoming yours in some way. We'll talk about that in just a second. Becomes yours in some way. Are you kidding me? So how much does God own? And that means what's becoming available for airship? Yeah, I noticed the tentativeness. Everything? Really? Is that how this is going to work? And let's be real about how it comes down. All right. Um, just so you know, this can go really wrong. Notice the next step. And if heirs, then fellow heirs with Christ, like the logic statement. Wait, 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 wait a minute. If I'm adopted, I'm like his kid. If I'm his kid, then there's like inheritance and heirship. Like I could be an heir and wait a minute. Isn't Jesus Christ the son of God? Isn't he like the ultimate heir to the throne and all the rest? I'm like a joint heir with him. And uh, yes, truth. And you get to walk around and say this. That's my big brother. Did you know that? Jesus Christ is your big brother. It almost feels heretical in the moment. You're like, ooh, that sounds a little... Like, not big enough for him. I'm just telling you, biblically, that's what he's hitting right now. You have a big brother. And his name is Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? You have someone on your side for eternity. Your big brother. His ruling over all eternity. Now, notice it says, joint heir, fellow heir, right? And uh, some have gone too far with this, okay? They're like, so Christ gets a world unto himself to be king over. He has a whole kingdom to himself. I guess I'll get my own kingdom. And uh, everybody say, that's not true. That is not true. Okay. That would be called Mormonism. Okay. That's where they go. And that's where they're pulling it from. This is one of the verses. They're like, see, joint heir. And uh, bro, you won't be serving over anything like that. I'm telling you, your big brother is king of kings and lord of lords for eternity. You will be serving under him. You will have a reign and a rule and heirship under him. Well, what does that look like then? So I just wrote a few things down. Uh, in the future, you will have a possession. Uh, John 14, 1 through 3 says that there's a home that he's making for you. You're going to have a home built by the one who owns everything. There is possession that he's got. As he's like, come on home, family, right here. Uh, in the future, there will be possession. There will also be position in the future. Um, we're told that we can, the, we will reign, rule, and judge. We're told we will reign, 2 Timothy 2.12. We will rule, uh, Revelation 20, verse 4, and Revelation 2, verse 26. And we will judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 and 3. Do you get this? God the Father, 
Jesus Christ sitting on the throne ruling and us having sub-thrones all over the place, having a chance to rule and reign, okay? So our position that we will have in him, we will reign, we will rule, and we will judge. Huge privilege as he teaches us how he wants his kingdom run, and we have a privilege to run a piece of it, a part of it. He's entrusting to you part of his kingdom in the future. If you trust Christ as your savior, that's when this is true. If you're saved, there is a future coming where he has set up kingdoms and thrones and there's some level of rule somewhere that he's entrusting all of us perfected. Thank the Lord. Can you imagine giving thrones to us right now? The angels are like, this seems like a bad plan, right? Us perfected and then handed over rulerships and portions to run. You are an heir to the throne of the God of the universe and a fellow heir to Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. That's the privilege we have with them in the future. What about in the now? I just wrote a couple of phrases down. Uh, some things he does for us right here and right now as he shares out what he owns. He covers an unpayable debt. You and I could do nothing to pay the debt we owe, but he covers it. He's covering our unpayable debt. Romans 3.25. He cures the aching heart. Psalm 34.18. And he works with us in our time of need and our sorrows. He walks us along a path. He does heal the wounded soul. Okay, that heart. He lightens the heavy, heavy conscience. He lightens the heavy conscience. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. Man, we know that we can walk into the holy of holies because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He lightens the heavy conscience. He calms the unsettled soul. Philippians 4, 7 and 8. He calms the unsettled soul. Like you can have the peace of God. As you come to him and bring it with him, as you thank him and praise him, as you pray to him, he brings a peace you cannot have on your own, but he brings it as a part of the airship right here and right now. And last one, he renews the broken mind, Romans 12, 2. And he's taking us from broken to perfection. That's part of being the heir of the throne of the perfect one. Do you know what I'm saying? He is so perfect. And he's sharing that out with you and with me. He's making us to look like him over time. Praise be to God. We are heirs. We are sons. We are fellow heirs. We are adopted. We are being led. We have a God who is unbelievably awesome as he shares with us. And man, we just covered some awesome things he shares. Last phrase. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Doggone it. <laughs> Had to go read it all. Right? And uh, provided we suffer with him. Please hear me. I don't know who picks up the Bible and teaches that Christians shouldn't be walking through some tough times. And, and God's shaping us in those tough times. And sometimes he's teaching those who don't know him what it looks like to follow him in the midst of tough times. And sometimes he's growing us. And, and I don't know all of God's plans. And man, some of us are going through some deep, dark waters. Please hear me. Your God so knows. 
He's so with you. He's got his arms around you. He's got his power being unleashed in you. He is healing. He is restoring. He is longing for you to get him all the more every day. Hear me on this. You can turn to him and cry out these words. Abba! Father! In the midst of that heartache. Man, you let God know. You are on your knees before the throne of your daddy. And you know he's got it. Trust him. You long for him to have his way. I'm telling you this. Yes, there are times where we need to prepare to suffer. And turn off the channel of anybody who promises otherwise. Okay? Get that off the station, man. He ain't worth listening to. This is our God's call. That we have an awesome walk this side of heaven. It's a broken world and he's walking us through the brokenness. We're partially responsible for it. We will be walking through that brokenness and growing and God will be getting the glory day by day. Lord, you take the pain, you take the suffering and you get the glory. I'm ready to spend eternity with you. May you be glorified. That's our call. He's daddy. He's king. He is almighty God. We have a family. And as you look at those who trust in Christ, brother and sister and fellow heir, we will hurt with each other. We will long for each other. We will pray with each other. We will cry out to our Father and our God will get the glory. And all of God's people said, that's our privilege, life in the Spirit. Let's pray.